Good to see all of you and welcome to this gathering of Providence Baptist Church. If this is your first time, second time, or you're just not here a whole lot, I want to say a very special welcome to you and let you know that today's a great day to be here because we are starting a new series uh, through the book of Ephesians. And so in your bulletin today, you got there's a little sermon card in there, and we'll keep these in the back uh, on the tables on the way out that just give you a little heads up on what's coming. This only goes through the end of May. We'll actually be in Ephesians for about 24 weeks, so it'll go through June. But this just goes through the end of May, gives you what we'll be studying each week so you can read ahead and come in prepared, ready for us to study together. Uh, it also has a couple of other things. Our mission partner on here, so you can be praying for them throughout the week. Who, who our mission partner for the week is, and then special events that are going on that week. So just another way to try to communicate what's going on, what we're studying, how you can pray, and so on. So make use of those. If you ever lose them, there will always be some in the back on your way out. So starting through uh, the book of Ephesians. And so I want to start in, uh, you know, getting us into this with a question. And so here's the question. Who are the two most significant people in history? Who are the two most significant people who have ever lived? Now, you're in church, so one of these is a layup, all right? Very easy, right? <laughs> so Jesus, yes, one of them is Jesus. Jesus is the most significant, the most important person who has ever lived. As Christians, we believe that even outside of uh, Christianity, that, that is true just across, I mean, look at the West. The West is completely changed by uh, Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus is the most important person who has ever lived. Now, who is the second most important person, most significant person who has ever lived? So we got some John, we got some Joseph, so we got some mumbles. And, and we have a right answer. Adam. Adam is the second most significant person to have ever lived. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Adam and Jesus are repeatedly linked. Repeatedly. Like if Angela had read on down to verse 45, you would have seen how Adam is described as the first Adam and Jesus is described as the second Adam. That Adam was created, he lived, he, was, he, he came into this world, and he was a sinner. Jesus came into this world, and he was sinless. He was Savior. And so what's happening is, is you have these two most significant people who have ever lived, Adam and Jesus. And they're kind of like two options, right? So we, we define ourselves by options all the time. We're this or that. And so today, you're either titans or chiefs, right? If you're a chief, we're going to excommunicate you, okay? <laughs> we're either titans or chiefs. You're either Coke or Pepsi. You're either Vols or Vandy, right? You're either Belmont or Lipscomb. You're either, uh, you're either Republican or Democrat. You're either black or white. You're either man or a woman. You are either single or married. You're either rich or poor, right? These options, we define ourselves around options all the time. And these things that I just, uh, just went through, like they may help explain us, but they don't actually define us. Biblically, there's really only two categories to define humanity. 
And those two categories are you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. Right? That's how God defines humanity all throughout history, that there are two leaders, there are two captains. The, the biblical word for it is two heads. All right? Theologically, this is federal headship. And so the question then is, who is your captain? Who is your head? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? In your bulletin, you've got uh, 1 Corinthians 15 printed that Angela did re read. Just for ease, go open up your bulletin and look at that real quick. I'll look at it in my, in my Bible because I, I have a paper clip where I need to be. But here's what it said, and the reason I want you to look at it. <clears throat> These two, these two things that we're talking about, Adam, Jesus. Verse 21, for as by a man came death, so there's Adam. Genesis 1, the fall, right? Genesis 3. For as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. Now look at verse 22. It's very specific. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ. So there's that big word that's going to be framing all of Ephesians. In Christ shall all be made alive. And so here's how these two groups, in Adam, in Christ, these two heads, this is how they break down. The reality is that we are all born in Adam, right? In sin. And so we don't, like, we're, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Like, inherently, we are born in Adam. And so from Adam, we inherit a sin nature. From Adam, we inherit separation from God. And we need to be born again in Christ to fix all that. And that's possible because at the cross, Jesus traded places with us. Like literally, personally, personally, Jesus literally traded places with me. And so all of the death and all of the shame and all of the condemnation that I deserve for my sin was taken from me and it went to Jesus. This is what happens at the cross. And simultaneously, all of the forgiveness and the love and the grace of Jesus that he rightly has as the sinless son of God, that comes to me. And what that does is it saves us from the wrath for, uh, of God for our sin. It makes us born again, the forgiveness of sin. And it just completely changes us and gives us a new identity. We are no longer in Adam. We are now in Christ. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so now, in Christ, everything that belongs to Jesus 
now belongs to us because he's traded places with us. And, and so you can think about it this way. I'll, I'll give you a question. Do you believe that God the Father loves the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. Do you believe that he's kind toward him and that he shows affection toward him, that he's gracious toward him, that he's attuned and listens to him, that he's devoted to him? I've got good news for you. Because if you are in Christ, that is how God now views you. Because you are in Christ. That trade, that exchange has taken place, which means, I mean, listen, that means that you are as beloved as Christ is beloved. And you are as adored as Christ is adored. You are as embraced as Christ is embraced. You are as blessed as Christ is blessed. Because you are in Him. You are united with Him. This is why the gospel is such good news. It's not just that our sin's taken away and we're, you know, blank slate. That is not the gospel. It's that we are then imputed and put on. Christ puts on. He gives credits His righteousness to us. And that's how God sees us. We are in Christ. And friends, that, okay, that Being in Christ is what the book of Ephesians is all about. It is all about who we are, right, in Christ. Like, that's the answer. Who are we? We are in Christ. That is our identity. And it's all about how we are to live. How are we to live? We're to live in Christ. That's our activity. And so in your sermon notes today, all I want you to write are those two questions, right? Number one. Who are we? Or you can write it down. Make it personal. Who am I? Who am I? Write it down here if you've got a sermon guide. Who am I? Number one. Who am I? The answer is, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you trusted him by faith, you are in Christ. That's who you are. That's your identity. Who am I? I am in Christ. So fundamentally, I'm not any of these things that people would use to describe me or labels that people would put on me and say, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. No, no, who am I? I am in Christ. That's your identity. Number two, how am I to live? How am I to live? In Christ. I am to live in Christ. And, and as we make our way through our study through the book of Ephesians, like that is exactly how the book breaks down. Chapters 1 through 3 deal almost exclusively with that first question. Who am I? And really, we could put it in the plural because it's to the church. It's not just individuals. We do this together. Who are we? We are in Christ. So that's chapters 1 through 3, all about identity. Who are we? Who am I? And then chapters 4 through 6 turn really practical and talk about how we live that out. How do we live it out in the church? How do we live it out in marriage? How do we live it out in uh, parenting? How do we live it out in vocation? How do we live it out uh, just day-to-day in our day-in, day-out lives? That's chapters 4 through 6. And so all of that, bit by bit, is coming over the next 24 weeks. That's what we're going to be talking about. But for today, what I want to do is I want to mimic the early church. 
I want to mimic the early church. I want to do exactly what the Ephesian church did in A.D. 62 when they received this letter from Paul by way of Tychicus who brought it to them because Paul wrote it in prison in Rome. I want to do exactly what they did when they received it. And that's read it in its entirety as an introduction to the whole thing. Just full context, the whole book. But unlike the early church, I want you to follow along with me, right? They couldn't follow along because there was one copy. That was it. That's all they had, one copy. You, there's copies everywhere. You, you, some of you brought them. Others, there's black hardback ones around you. So grab that so that you can read along with me. This is going to be on page 976 in those black hardback ones. And I want you to do something as we make our way through. I want you to circle every single time you see the word in Christ or in Him or in the Beloved. Page 976 in the black hardback ones. And and it's fine to circle in the black hardback ones. I'm fine with that. Every time you see in Christ, every time you see in Him, every time you see in the beloved, circle it. It's in there 36 times in these six chapters. In fact, Paul uses that phrase. He doesn't describe believers as Christians. That, That description is in the Bible three times. That's it. In Christ, Paul uses 164 times. That's how he defines Christians. Not Christians, but those who are in Christ. All right? So Ephesians, early church. Let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you've been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man, in place of the two. So, making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place by, or for God by the Spirit. 
For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you to not lose heart for what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. For from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. 
For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth. Boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now, a couple of things real fast. One, anybody put a timer on that? 19 minutes. Someone did. She was worried. She's like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank you. 19 minutes. We just read six chapters of the Bible. If you read six chapters of the Bible a day for a year, you will read through the Bible twice. 19 minutes. So you cut that in half. 10 minutes. Three chapters a day. You'll read through the Bible in a year. So read your Bible. Read your Bible. Doesn't take long. Read your Bible. All right? So what, what we just did was we, we heard from God in the full context of the letter. Now, it is good to take time to drill down deep on passages and mine, you know, in there. And we'll, this is what we're going to be doing over the next several months. We'll be seeking to understand Paul, who's the author. What did Paul intend when he wrote this? Like authorial intent. That is what we're after. And so we want to understand what Paul meant, even when it's contrary to common American Christian tradition. What did Paul mean? And so that's where we're going to be going, but it's also important to get the big picture, and so that's what we just did. We got the big picture. And again, the big picture is a call to the church, not individual. It is the church. It is a call for us to better understand who we are. And if we are believers, who are we? We are in Christ and how we are to live. And how are we to live? We are to live in Christ. And so may the Lord bless this series to the praise of His glorious grace, as we saw over and over and over, the good of you and I, and the salvation of those who are not yet in Christ. But we pray, and we long, and we yearn that they would be. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Your word is the spirit. It's the sword. It is the sword of the spirit. And we praise you that you have given it to us. That you've revealed yourself to us. That we can know you because you've, you've put this here in, in, in Ephesians. That you show us, tell us, remind us what it means to be in Christ. Of who we are, that we're blessed, that we're chosen, that we're redeemed, that we're loved, that we're sealed. 
that we are yours and you are ours. That you have made us alive together with Christ. You've seated us spiritually, positionally, in the heavenly places with Christ. And that because you've done this, we can't undo it. That you've predestined us as adoption, as sons and daughters. Because you are good and kind. And so, Father, in the weeks to come, in the months to come, may you sink these truths of who we are in Christ and how we're to live in Christ deep into our souls. And may they radically change us. So we may know the breadth and the height and the love and the depth that you have given us in Christ. More than we do now. And even as we mind that for the rest of our lives, we will only get a little snowflake of the iceberg that is your love and grace towards us in Christ Jesus. So we praise you. And we bless your great name. You are good and kind. And we love you because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen.